In this episode, we're going to learn how to use SwiftUI to draw an interactive waveform using math. So I've been playing around with rendering waveforms in SwiftUI, and I found the process to be quite a bit of fun to play around with. So that's what we're going to cover in this episode. So I have a placeholder where we're going to be putting our graph and we're just going to be rendering essentially a plotting a function uh, using some sort of view space that we have there. So let's start off with a new graph view. And in the body of this view for right now, we'll just say rectangle.fillColor.Gray. And if I put that inside of here, uh, then we'll see it on the right hand side. Now I want this to be a little bit constrained, so we're going to give this a height of 200. So inside of this graph view, I'm going to be rendering essentially a function. And that function is going to be plotting points. And uh, when you're doing stuff like that in SwiftUI, you will often implement that using a shape. So I'm going to create something called a waveform shape. When you define a shape in SwiftUI, you have to define the path in rect. The rect is going to be the sort of occupying space that is proposing for this shape, and it's our job to return a path that draws inside of that rectangle. So here I'll have a path, and I uh, can say maybe p.move to rect.origin, and then p.addLine to, uh, and we'll do a CG point with maybe rect.maxx and rect.maxy. So this is how we would just draw a line uh, there and so here inside of our graph view instead of rendering the rectangle I'm going to use the waveform shape and then I can tell that to stroke that with a line width of say four and now we get our line so what I want to do instead of just hard coding this is I want to be able to pass in some sort of function here so I'm going to start defining what this is going to look like we're going to have some sort of function which is going to take in a double and return a double now if you remember from math class uh, when you are building a function, it's essentially you plug in the x value, which is going to be this, and you return the y value. And we need to constrain in our example here. Let me actually bring in the background as color.gray again, just so that we can see the bounds here. Um, what I want to do is uh, on the left edge of the screen and the right edge of the screen, that's going to be determining what values we're going to have for our X range. And so I actually want this to be configurable. So we're going to have a range parameter, which will be a closed range of double. Now for right now, I can just return maybe zero uh, there. And then this could be maybe a range of negative one up to and including one. So if I do that, it should be able to render and then we also need to know how many steps to take. And maybe we say that uh, we're going to take three steps for now. So the idea is that uh, for each step, we're going to divide the horizontal space here into that number of steps. So that's how many points we're going to have along that line. And as we increase the number of steps, the smoother that line is going to become, but the longer it'll take to draw it. So we're going to start off three just because this makes the math easier for us to, to build and rationalize. So once we have those three things, we need to be able to compute the actual points we are going to uh, be displaying. And so I'm going to start off here uh, with an array of points that is empty, and we will end by returning it. 
And then inside of here, we need to figure out exactly how far each step we're gonna take in terms of pixels. Like what is our X step value that we're gonna be adding to every time? So what we need to know is uh, in terms of this range, if I take this range and I figure out how much uh, distance this is, and then I divide that number by this, um, that's going to give us how many spots. So we're going to compute that as our X stride that equals the range's upper bound minus the range's lower bound. So that's gonna give us essentially the distance or the magnitude of this range. So we take the upper bound, which is one, and we subtract a negative one, which ends up adding. So we'll end up with two. Then we need to, to divide that by the number of steps minus one, and we need to convert that to a double. Now, when we do this, the reason why we're doing steps minus one is because if I have three points, the first one is gonna start at the left edge and the, right, and the last one is gonna start at the final edge. So we really only need to have uh, two steps. And so that's why we're uh, subtracting by uh, steps minus one. So in this particular example, this is gonna make that two and our total range uh, magnitude is two. So our X stride is gonna be one. So now we can say, uh, for x in stride, and we're going to use this stride from through by. So this is kind of like a for loop, but instead of incrementing by one every time, you're incrementing by some stride value. So we're going to start from the range's lower bound through the range's upper bound, and then we're going to stride by that x stride amount. So we're going to start at negative one, Every time we're gonna add this number, which is one. So we'll start at negative one, then go to zero, then go to one. So then, uh, now that gives us our X value. Now we need to give our Y value, and that's just essentially calling that function with the X value. And now we can create a CG point with X is X, Y is Y, and then we can add that to our points array. So now we have computed essentially a version of points that is graph specific, right? It goes from this range, computes the Y value, but it has nothing to do with actual pixels yet. So that's where I wanna create another function here. We're, we're gonna call this normalized points in rect and pass in the rect. And that's gonna to return to us a CG point array. So this is going to essentially take this and map it to this rectangle. So what we can do is we can take our points and enumerate them and then map that to a new array. So that's gonna give us the offset and the point. And we need to return a new point that essentially applies that here. So the reason why we need the offset is so we can figure out you know, how far do we need to go. And let's actually cache this value so that we don't have to recompute this multiple times because we're gonna use it in here. So what we need to do now is figure out what is our screen X value. And so that's going to be the rect total width divided by how many points we have. And in this case, it's gonna be points.count minus one. Um, so this is how much total width each point takes off. And then we can multiply that by the offset, offset times that. And again, here we're going to end up with uh, converting that to a double because this will other otherwise be an integer. Now we're gonna have screen Y come in and I haven't explained this yet, but what I would like to do is whatever values returned here, I want this to be in the range of zero to one 
or rather negative one to one, where zero would be essentially divided right in the middle here, and positive one would be above that axis, and negative one would be below that axis. Um, and so we can now take the rectangle's height and multiply it by our y value. So this would be point dot y. Because I want this to be starting in the middle, we're going to start with mid uh, y and subtract out whatever this is um, divided by 2 and then multiply it by the point dot y. So, it, so when we pass in 0 here, this whole parameter will become 0 and we'll end up with mid y. Okay, so our rectangle is in CG float coordinates, so let's use CG float there. And we also need to do it here for the offset. Okay, so now I've got a screen X and a screen Y, and now I can just return a new CG point with X is screen X and Y is screen Y. And now I just need to return that. So now I've got a function that can normalize those points in a given rectangle. So now when we're here, I'm going to take the uh, the normalized points, normalized points in that rect, and we could loop over them and you know move to the first one and add a line to the second one, but we can actually just say add lines to and pass in that array of points. And if we do that correctly, the function that we passed in now is a straight line. And instead of maybe adding lines to the points, if you actually wanted to see them, we might say something like for p in points, Maybe we compute some sort of rect, which is a CG rect, um, where the origin is uh, p dot, well, origin is p and size is maybe CG size uh, with a width and height of one. And then p dot add, actually we don't want to use p there because p is our path. So we'll do point then uh, p dot add ellipse in that rectangle. And if we change our stroke width to something bigger, you can kind of see this, uh, these three points here. So at this point now, uh, it's dependent on what we pass in here. So if I pass in a one, the points go on top. If I pass in a negative one, the points go on the bottom. Okay, so this is exactly what we want, except that we want these to be passed in to the function. So one thing we can do is just say, make all of these vars so that uh, the caller can pass them in. And so at this point now, if I say um, our function here, here this takes in our x value, and maybe it returns, you know, uh, maybe it just returns the, the x value itself. Now, if we do that, you can see that we have our diagonal line. This is y equals x. So I'm actually going to restore our line uh, rendering, and we'll go back down to a smaller number. So hopefully we can, we can see this. Uh, we're going to make the size here of our points just a little bit bigger. So the size of our point uh, maybe will be 4. And this is going to make them look a little bit off because we are uh, not translated. So let's... Let's just quickly make a radius of four. And then this origin, we're going to apply this uh, transform to translate by the radius divided by two, radius divided by two, and both of those need to be negative. And then this can be our radius and our radius. 
And now that I wrote this out, this is actually a diameter, not a radius, but uh, no matter, this is just debugging code at this point. But we can see these points on the line. And if I change this now to increase the number of steps to say 10, you'll see more points along the line. And then maybe if I say 20, you know, we can start seeing the effect here. And then um, what if I change this to be like, okay, we're going to do the sine of X instead of just X. Now you can start to see some interesting behavior on this curve. And uh, because we can't, we can't really visualize the entire sine wave because our range is negative one to one, but we can also uh, configure our range. So in this case, I'm going to say maybe negative, let's just do negative two times pi. So we can actually see a little bit more of the curve there and we'll add a comma at the end. Now we can see two complete sine curves. So this is the basis for what we're going to be doing today. But before I go any further, I want to talk a little bit about the math behind the effect I'm going for. And to do that, I'm going to use a tool that's built into macOS called Grapher. Grapher is incredibly useful, and I only recently came across this, and I've had a lot of fun playing around with it. So um, earlier we saw the y equals x curve, and if I just type y equals x here, you can see that, that line being plotted. And we can also do the same thing where we do y equals sine of x. So essentially a sine function is the basis for what we're going to be doing. Uh, but uh, there are some controls we can add to the sine function. So for instance, if I put a two in front of it and multiply, then you can see the peaks here, the amplitude goes to two and negative two. So this parameter right here is essentially the amplitude. Then on the inside of the sine function here, if I multiply this by say four, we get four oscillations instead of one. And so this essentially controls the frequency. And then the final parameter, we can subtract a value from here. Let's say I subtract, I don't know, 100 or something. You can see that everything shifted over a bit. If I subtract a little bit, you can see that the whole graph is just moving to the left when I subtract values. So this essentially is the phase or the time value, uh, which is sometimes called t. So this function is basically what we're going to be working with. So I'm going to actually define this as a function. So I'm just going to delete this and say f of x, a, k, and t equals a times sine of k times x minus t. So it's essentially the exact same thing we did before, except we're passing in all these values as a function. So when I hit enter, this now is part of a system of equations. So I need to add more to it so that we can actually call it. Now I can call this with f of x, and I can pass in values for each of these. 2, 3, and 0, let's say, gives us a amplitude of 2, a frequency of 3, and a phase of 0. So that's essentially what I want to go with. Um, but we can actually define these values separately. And because this is all evaluated as one system of equations, as soon as I figure out all the parameters that I want, um, let's say I want a equals 1, k equals 1, and t equals 0, now I can say y equals f of x, a, k, and t, and it will actually plot it. And what's also neat about this is I can take this and say, what if I did 1, 2, and 3 as my amplitudes? And for my frequency, what if I did 3 there? You can start to see some really interesting effects that we can have by playing with these parameters, and Grapher will just graph them all for you to make it easy. And I can expand this function here and kind of highlight any one of them. And I can add multiple variants for each one of these parameters. So let's say I said I want this to be 1 and 3. 
it takes a little bit longer, but now we're plotting quite a bit of uh, information here. So this is kind of the basic sine function that I want. I'm gonna go back to uh, just some more simpler rendering so we can actually just visualize uh, what I wanna do here. So I wanna do A is one and K maybe is four. So I have a sine curve that's oscillating here. Um, what I wanna do now is sort of make the edges of this flat. And so I'm gonna uncheck this graph for now so we can just focus on a new one. And for this one, I want to use uh, a function that, um, I'm just gonna write it out. This is gonna be G of X and K, which is some constant. So we're gonna take K and divide it by K plus X to the fourth power. And then this whole entire thing will be raised to the Kth power. So K being a constant, we can start K at one. And then if I say I want a new equation, which is y equals g of x and k, we get this plot here. So this is uh, k, or essentially 1 over 1 plus x to the fourth. So this happens to, to be a nice windowing function or a tapering function that we can use to multiply with the other function to manipulate its result. And uh, so as you can see, as it gets down here to zero, the value of the other function is gonna be zero. And as it gets over here, the, the other function is going to essentially be whatever value it wanted to be because this is one. Now we can multiply or, or manipulate the K value. Let's say we do 0.2 to get some wider wings or 0.3, 0.4. So this is one of the reasons why I think Grapher is so useful is I can visualize what's going on here before we start writing code. So then the final result here, I'm going to make a new equation. Y equals F of X, A, K, and T times G of X, capital K. And now we get the result that I'm looking for. We have some oscillation, like typical sine wave oscillation in the middle, but it tampers out, it tapers out on the edges. So if I change the amplitude, let's say we want this one and two, um, Let's uncheck that one so we can just see the last function here. Now we can see, you know, what it looks like with different amplitudes. And if I change the frequency, let's say I do four and maybe eight and uncheck this graph. And if we open this up, we can see all the different combinations so we can kind of see what's going on here. So this is the basis for the math behind uh, what we're going to be doing. So now it's our job just to take this and represent it in Swift. So back over here in Xcode, I'm going to define that in our graph view, I'm just gonna say that we've got two private functions. The first one is gonna be our sine func, and it's going to take our X value and uh, return a double. And for the uh, amplitude, we're going to pass that in for the frequency, we're gonna pass that in. And I can just define these as constants right now. So we'll do amplitude is one, frequency is four, and phase is zero. So our sine function was just sine of frequency times X minus phase, and then the whole thing times amplitude. So that's essentially our sine function. And if I want to use that, now I can use our sine func of x. 
and now we get more oscillation. Now, at this point, it's obvious that our steps are not nearly enough. So let's change this to maybe 100 or maybe 300, which ends up looking a little bit better. And if we want to, we can just turn off these uh, dots for now so we can just focus in on the actual line. So now we can see that um, if I change this to one and re-render our preview, now we're getting you know our sine function just as we saw before. So now I want to add that windowing function, uh, which I'll call taperfunk, which is going to take that x and return a double. In this case, we've got k as our constant. I'm going to leave it at one for now, uh, but this does need to be a double. So now we just need to return first starting with k, then dividing by k plus, and this is going to be x to the fourth power. So we use the pow function x comma four. So this is the bottom part of that. And then this whole thing is actually multiplied, or rather raised, uh, pow of this entire thing raised to the kth power. Okay, so that's our taper function. It's a little bit harder to read in Swift than it was in Grapher, but now that I have the Grapher file, which I will share with you in the show notes, actually, uh, now that I have that, it's actually easier for me to to see what this equation actually is. So I'm going to return sine func times taper func of x. And now we've got our shape. So now we, we have these values that we wanna play with, um, but before I do that, I actually wanna make this just a little bit prettier, um, and I wanna add some controls we can use to control these parameters here. So the first thing I wanna do is go down to our preview, and we're going to set uh, the color scheme value of our preview to dark. And then I'm gonna set the accent color to pink. Then I'm gonna go up here for our content view. Um, I've added a linear gradient called pink to black, which will be our background. We no longer need our background as color.gray. And then here for our line width, maybe we want something a little bit uh, chunkier, so maybe eight which looks kind of cool. Um, one thing I wanna point out is that if we turn the steps down, you can see that there's just not enough points in this line to make it smooth. And this actually becomes really apparent as we increase our amplitude. So let's say our amplitude is two. Now in this case, remember our, our Y range was zero to one or, or negative one to one rather. So when we do our amplitude is two, it's actually gonna draw outside of the bounds of our graph, which um, may or may not be what you want, but in this case, I think it'll look pretty good. Um, but you can see now that we have these kind of sharp edges because our, our step value is too low, uh, but we can change the way we draw our lines to somewhat accommodate for that. So if I go back up here to where we're stroking, right here, instead of stroking this way, I can stroke with a style. So we'll say color.white and then use a stroke style. And here I can specify the line width of say eight. The line cap is a either butt, round, or square. In our case, we want round. This is gonna control the left and the right edges of our line. And because it'll be rounded, um, if it's, let's say if it's like at an angle, you won't see a squared off edge kind of poking out the side of it. So then uh, for the line join, we will also use round. Uh, miter limit, I think this only applies to the miter style, I'm not quite sure. 
uh, dash is if, if we want uh, some dashed lines, and then dash phase is if you want the like, kind of marching ants effect, you could animate to the dash phase. Uh, but if I do that, notice that with this stroke style, it actually looks quite a bit more rounded. Um, you can still see because our step value is pretty low, um, but the rounded edges definitely make it look a lot better. So I'm going to bring this back up to 300 just because I think it makes the curve look really good. Uh, but this is definitely your parameter you can control to control how smooth the line looks um, at the cost of more computation and rendering. Now that we have that uh, basis, we're going to go back over here to where we are uh, rendering our uh, graph view here. And I actually want to make state vars for amplitude, which uh, will start at 1 state var for frequency, which we will start at two, and a state var for the phase, which we will start at zero. And I wanna pass those in uh, to our graph view here. So each one of these now needs to be a var, so we can pass them in. And then underneath my vStack here, I wanna add another vStack and I've added something called a param slider, which essentially just encapsulates a label, a value, which is a binding and a range of values to use. So this is going to be our amplitude. So we'll pass in a binding to that value. And our range here will be a zero up to and including, uh, let's see, three. Then we'll have another param slider, which we will use for frequency. And the range of our frequency, maybe we start at one and maybe we go to 20. And then lastly, a param slider, this time for the T value. And this is going to be our phase. And our range for this is going to be, uh, say, 0 to pi times 40. And then one other thing we can do here is for our stroke here, uh, when we're rendering this, we're rendering it as white. But we have this nice, rich-looking background. Uh, so we can actually take our graph view and we can specify a blending mode and use the blending mode of overlay to actually use that white color to make the background sort of, uh, you know, a much more translucent kind of feel, uh, which looks a lot more vibrant. So I actually like this effect quite a bit. Uh, but now we have these sliders that we can use. And as you can see, uh, amplitude controls how tall this is. So we can actually make it go to zero or we can actually make it expand beyond the bounds of its container, which is kind of an interesting effect you might be going for. Um, and then frequency controls how many waves we have and they kind of get squished in here. So at the, at the extremes, it becomes less easy to see. Uh, but if we go up here to where we're doing our stroke and we turn that down, um, it actually looks kind of nice. And so it just probably depends on what type of effect you want to go for. If you have the frequency value kind of high, it actually looks good at a smaller level. Uh, so you can actually see the oscillation at the wings here. Uh, but if, you're, if your frequency is a lot lower, I think a chunkier value of something like 8 looks pretty nice. And then lastly, the T parameter or a phase, as we do this, it changes where this is being drawn. And so we get the effect of some movement. And so as we increase T, it moves to the right. As we decrease T, it moves to the left. And so you can give a feeling of motion uh, by maybe animating uh, this parameter here. So given these values, we can actually come up with a really interesting effect. And uh, I found this to be 
quite fun to play around with and to be able to visualize and interact with math in a way that is is a little bit harder to do just with you know pen and paper or by building and running a solution i like to be able to to actually visualize what's happening in real time as we change these parameters